Welcome to another episode of the Powerless to Powerful Recovery Podcast. My name is Jason. I'm an alcoholic and addict. I want to remind everyone that our mission is to share experience, strength, and hope across multiple media platforms, the story of addiction and the road to recovery. Again, we are not affiliated with Alcoholics Anonymous in any way or any other 12-step-based organizations. Today, we're going to be exploring Step 3, found in page 58 in Chapter 5 in the Big Book, in the chapter, How It Works. So if you've been following along every week, we've led up to Step 3 at this point. We've explored the doctor's opinion, the mental obsession, the physical allergy. We've explored the five types of users, making the supreme sacrifice, having the disease of more. We've also explored there is a solution. We've looked at that, the moderate user, the hard user, the real alcoholic. We've identified some characteristics of that. We've related it to our lives. We've moved on to step one. We fully concede in step one to our innermost selves that we're alcoholics and we're addicts. That there's no other way. We've tried every other way. We're in the grip of a progressive illness. Over any considerable period, we get worse, never better. Self-knowledge won't fix it. The insanity that comes with it. The progressiveness. We've identified all those things. Then we went into step two, we agnostics. We talked about that, coming to believe, just being willing to believe is sufficient. You don't have to fully define, you don't have to comprehend, just a belief and a power grade in yourself is sufficient to get results. Which now leads us into step three, where I made a decision to turn my will in my life. You know, we talk about all different things and you know, you could write your step work down, you could read the book, you could read other self-help books, you can go to various groups. But the power from the knowledge comes from the application. It's real easy to do steps one, two, and three. And that had been my experience previously. I have stepped it plenty of times. Let's be honest. Steps one, two, and three is two conclusions in a decision. Yep, I'm powerless and unmanageable. Yep, that checks out. Yeah, I can believe in a higher power. Yep, done. Made a decision. Made plenty of those. Sure, made a decision. But it wasn't until I really understood, like, what was that going to take for me? Like, how do I apply step one? I have to apply step one on a day-to-day basis. I'm powerless. Anytime I pick up, I can't stop. And I will use despite negative consequences. I'll never be able to control and enjoy it. The only way is complete abstinence for me. I'm powerless over so much. But today I'm powerful because of this program. Step two, I really had to understand what that looks like. In the previous episode, we talked about that. In order for me to apply step three and have some action behind it, I have to know what my part is. And we identify that in step two. Some morals, some values, some characteristics of my higher power, some character assets. I identify those. I write those things down to be loving, to be sober, to be tolerant, to be forgiving, to be of service, to be selfless. To be a good husband, to be a good father, to be a good son, to live with integrity. Those are everything that my higher power is. So now getting to step three, I know how to apply it. Made a decision to turn my will in my life. My will is my thoughts and my life is my actions. So before I react to situations, because when I react, it's all bad. I have to respond. And the way that I do that is channeling my belief in step two and making sure that my actions reflect that belief on a day-to-day basis. Through consistency, creates a habit, becomes part of my identity, and I start to obtain 
those morals, those values, those beliefs, those spiritual characteristics that we talk about all the time. This power that flows through me. And it starts with step three. It's one of the biggest steps there is, but you got to know how to apply it. So today we're going to explore that. So if you have your big books and you're following along, I'll be reading the book. I'll be explaining it as I go through. So I hope everyone could follow along with me again today. So we're in chapter five, how it works. Page 58. And this is what we read in the beginning of pretty much every meeting that you'll go to. That's an Alcoholics Anonymous meeting or anyone that uses the literature from the big book. This is how we'll start every meeting. And, you know, when Bill W. was the founder of the program, when he was passing, you know, he was surrounded by people who loved him, his wife, his friends. And they asked him, is there anything you would have changed about the program? And he said, there's one thing. There's one thing only that I would change. That one thing is one word. And that one word is never. Because it starts out, rarely have we seen a person fail who has thoroughly followed our path. And the one thing he said he'd change is he changed rarely to never. Never have we seen a person fail who has thoroughly followed our path. This program works. It saved my life. Thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people have experienced this higher power that flows through them. It gave them a psychic change and the obsession to want to change the way they feel has been removed. And it starts with step three. So here we go. Never have we seen a person fail who has thoroughly followed our path. Those who do not recover are people who cannot or will not completely give themselves to this simple program. Usually men and women who are constitutionally incapable of being honest with themselves. There are such unfortunates. They're not at fault. They seem to have been born that way. They are naturally incapable of grasping and developing a manner of living which demands rigorous honesty. Their chances are less than average. There are those too who suffer from grave emotional and mental disorders, but many of them do recover if they have the capacity to be honest. Our stories disclose in a general way what we used to be like, what happened, and what we're like now. If you have decided you want what we have and are willing to go to any length to get it, then you're ready to take certain steps. At some of these, we balked. We thought we could find an easier, softer way, but we could not. With all the earnestness at our command, we beg of you to be fearless and thorough from the very start. Some of us tried to hold on to our old ideas, and the result was nil until we let go absolutely. Remember that we deal with alcohol, cunning, baffling, powerful, and patient, because this thing will wait on you. Without help, there is too much for us. But there is one who has all power. That one is God. May you find him now. Half measures availed us nothing. We stood at the turning point. We asked his protection and care with complete abandon. Here are the steps we took, which are suggested as a program of recovery. One, we admitted we are powerless over alcohol and our lives have become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood them. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, 
sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. 12. Having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to alcoholics and to practice these principles in all of our affairs. So when we talk about practicing these principles in all of our affairs, these principles, these principles, well, what are we talking about? What principles? There's actually principles associated with each step, and that principle is required for you to accurately apply and perform that step in your life. I'm going to go over the principles of each step really real quick so everyone is clear and understands what I'm talking about. The principle with step one is honesty. You got to be honest. I'm powerless. I'm unmanageable. I've tried everything. There's no other way. I need help. I can't do it alone. You got to be honest about that. Number two is hope. Got to have hope that this power greater than myself could restore me to sanity because I'm insane. Three, faith. Got to have faith, man, that if I turn my will and my life, my thoughts and my actions, I have this faith that this higher power would take care of the outcomes if I do my part. Four, courage. It's the fourth step. It's everything that I've ran from my whole life. I have to face now. I've been running forever from it. The fears, the resentments, the relationships. I got to have courage to attack that vigorously. Five, integrity. It's the get honest step. I have to get honest. I have to have integrity in all I do. Six, the willingness step. Willingness. Got to be willing to let go of these these character defects, these shortcomings that I've I've held, these defects of character that I've, that I've held so tightly that it had value at one time for me. Seven, humility. Humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, brotherly love. Got to make amends. Got to fix these relationships. Nine is discipline. The amends process will be a lifelong process with the amends. And I got to be disciplined to make these amends on a day-to-day basis. Whenever I have the opportunity, off the top, I have to do these things. If I harm anyone, I have to clean it up immediately. I can't harbor any more debris. I can't carry any more wreckage with me because that's dangerous for me. 10 is perseverance. I have to take this personal inventory on a day-to-day basis. When these things crop up, I have to hold myself accountable. I'm going to be doing this for a lifetime, and I have to persevere through it. I have to have perseverance. 11 is awareness of God. How do I maintain God's will in my life throughout the whole day? And that could be difficult. 12, to be of service. Service is the principle. I got to carry the message. I got to give what was so freely given to me. My will is selfishness. We're going to talk about that a lot in the third step. The third step has three parts. The actor scenario, the hundred forms of self, and the lead up to the third step prayer. Got to be of service. So it says, many of us exclaimed, what an order. I can't go through with it. Do not be discouraged. No one among us has been able to maintain anything like perfect adherence to these principles. We're not saints. The point is we're willing to grow along spiritual lines. The principles we've set down are guides to progress. We claim spiritual progress rather than spiritual perfection. Our description of the alcoholic, the chapter to the agnostic, our personal ventures before and after make clear three pertinent ideas. A, that we were alcoholic and could not manage our own lives. 
B, that probably no human power could have relieved our alcoholism, and C, that God could and would if he were sought. A, B, and C is referencing steps one, two, and three. Not I'm an alcoholic, I can't manage my life. That's step one. Two, probably no human power. I came to believe in a power greater than myself that could restore me to sanity. And C is three, that God could and would if he were sought. So I'm going to seek this higher power that I've established in step two, and my job is to footwork on a day-to-day basis and the outcomes in God's hands. So being convinced of those three things, now I'm ready for step three, which is we decided to turn our will and our lives over the care of God as we understand them. Remember, will is your thoughts, life is your actions. This is how you apply step three. You've established the identity of your higher power, the morals, the values, the spiritual characteristics you believe this power to be, and now it's your job to turn your life over, which is your actions on a day-to-day basis. Just what do we mean by that? And just what do we do? The first requirement. So now we're going to talk about the actor scenario. And if you go to meetings, you'll hear people talk about it. I'm an actor, the actor scenario. They're referencing from step three. And here it is. The first requirement being convinced that any life run on self-will could hardly be a success. On the basis, we're almost always in collision with something or somebody, even though our motives are good. So even though in my addiction, I might have good motives at some point, at some time, I'm always in collision with something or somebody. Most people try to live their life by self-propulsion. Each person is like an actor who wants to run the whole show, is forever trying to arrange the lights, the ballet, the scenery, the rest of the players in his own way. If his arrangements would only stay put, if people would only do as he wished, the show would be great. If people would just do what I want, everything would be fine. I'm in this fantasy world. I'm delusional. It's an illusion. If everyone would do this, if my wife would do this, if my mom would do this, if this didn't happen, if all these things will line up, if my boss didn't do that, if I would have got that job, everything would be fine, but it's just not the truth. Life would be wonderful. In trying to make these arrangements, our actor may sometimes be quite virtuous. He may be kind, considerate, patient, generous even modest and self-sacrificing. But on the other hand, he may be mean, egotistical, selfish, and dishonest. But as, as with most humans, he is more likely to have varied traits. So the easiest way that I could explain that part to you, when I have alcohol, my drug of choice, I am kind, considerate, patient, generous, modest, and self-sacrificing. But when I wake up in the morning, and I'm out, and I'm experiencing physical withdrawal, I am mean, (laughs) egotistical, selfish, and dishonest. I have very traits. If you can relate to that, you're one of us. That's what this thing is about, a solution. So what usually happens? Well, the show doesn't come off very well. He begins the life to think that life doesn't treat him right. He decides to exert himself more. He becomes on the next occasion still more more demanding or gracious, as the case may be. So as our addiction progresses, there's no in-between anymore. There's no in-between. I'm either super gracious or I'm super demanding. I'm either super selfish or I'm completely selfless. And that's a rare occasion in addiction. Still, the play doesn't suit him, admitting he may be somewhat at fault. He is sure that other people are more to blame. I blame everyone. It's my parents' fault. It's my wife's fault. It's my boss's fault. It's probation's fault. 
It's the system. It's the government. It's everybody else's fault but my own. And the reason I believe that and I blame everybody else because it allows me to continue my behavior and justify it in my head. He becomes angry, indignant, self-pitying. What is his basic trouble? Is he not really a self-seeker even when trying to be kind? So even in my best moments, even when I'm trying to be kind, I'm a self-seeker. And the easiest way I could explain that. Let's say you come over and I hook you up with, you know, some drugs or some alcohol or I pay for a bar tab. And in that moment, I'm really just trying to be kind. But best believe when I'm dope sick, when I'm experiencing withdrawal, when I'm broke, I'm coming over to your house saying, remember, remember that time? I'm going to need that. A self-seeker even when trying to be kind. Is he not a victim of the delusion he could wrest his satisfaction and happiness out of this world if he only manages well? Is it not evident to the rest of the players that these are the things he wants? And do not his actions make each of them wish to retaliate, snatching all they can get out of the show? Is he not even in his best moments a producer of confusion rather than harmony? So even in my best moments, even when I have this master plan and everything's going to go and I'm going to get this job and I'm going to get this place, I'm going to repair these relationships, I'm going to go to a meeting, I'm going to get sober, I'm still a producer of confusion, never harmony. Our actor is self-centered, egocentric, as people like to call it nowadays. He's like the retired businessman who lulls in the Florida sunshine in the winter, complaining of the sad state of the nation, the minister who sighs over the sins of the 20th century, politicians and reformers who are sure all would be utopia if the rest of the world would only behave, the outlaw safecracker who thinks society's wronged him, the alcoholic who's lost all and is locked up. I can feel that one. Whatever our protestations are not most of us concerned with ourselves, our resentments, and our self-pity. So the next part we're about to get into right now will be referred to, you'll hear people talk about in a lot of meetings and other recovery podcasts and anything recovery related that that focuses on the Alcoholics Anonymous literature. They'll talk about the hundred forms of self. And this is that part here. So as I read this, I want you to see all the different times it explains selfishness and self and self and self. And you'll hear it the whole way through. So here we go. Selfishness and self-centeredness, that we think is the root of our troubles, driven by a hundred forms of fear, self-delusion, self-seeking, self-pitying, we step on the toes of our fellows and they retaliate. Sometimes they hurt us, seemingly without provocation, but we invariably find that sometime in the past we made decisions based on self, which later put us in a position to be hurt. So our troubles, we think, are basically of our own making. They arise out of ourself. The alcoholic is an extreme example of self-will run riot, though he usually doesn't think so. Above everything, we alcoholics must be rid of the selfishness. We must or it will kill us. God makes that possible. And there often seems no way of entirely getting rid of self without his aid. Many of us have moral and philosophical convictions galore, but we couldn't live up to them even if we tried. Neither could we reduce our self-centeredness much by wishing or trying on our own power. We had to have God's help. So we talk about the difference between self-will and God's will. And I could identify it really easy for me. I have to break it down where I understand it so I could apply it. My will is selfishness. God's will is selflessness. My will is character defect. His will is character asset. My will is negative. His will is positive. 
Those moral and philosophical convictions galore, those morals, those values, those beliefs, I identified them in step two. My higher power is every one of those things. And now I'm making a decision. I have to have God's help. I make this decision to let my footwork on a day-to-day basis reflect that belief in two. And that's the decision I'm making in step three. And this is the lead up to, and it's one of my favorite parts of the book. And anyone knows me, I mean, I know, man, I love this part. It's so powerful. This is the how and the why of it. First of all, we had to quit playing God. Why? Because it didn't work. Next, we decided, decision, that hereafter in this drama of life, God was going to be our director. He is the principal. We are his agents. He is the father. We are his children. Most good ideas are simple. And this concept was the keystone of the new and triumphant arc through which we pass to freedom. When we sincerely, key word, sincerely, took such a position, all sorts of remarkable things followed. We had a new employer. Being all-powerful, he provided what we needed if we kept close to him and performed his work well. Established on such a footing, we became less and less interested in ourselves, our little plans and designs. More and more, we became interested in seeing what we could contribute to life as we felt new power flow in, as we enjoyed peace of mind, as we discovered we could face life successfully. As we became conscious of his presence, we began to lose our fear of today, tomorrow, and the hereafter. We were reborn. Wow. Being all-powerful, he provided what we needed if we kept close to him and performed his work well. His work is to live in those spiritual principles, those character assets, to let our actions reflect the belief that we have in him. It's a 50-50 relationship. I got to do the footwork on a day-to-day basis, so I established that in step two. And I let my higher power take care of the outcomes. The principle of step three is faith. I have faith that the outcomes will be better than everything that I I ever could have planned. The last three plus years of my life with this connection, when I made this decision, the outcomes have been better than anything I ever could have planned. I'm so blessed today. I'm so grateful today. The promises have materialized over and over in my life. I get to be present in the people's lives who matter. I get to be a father. I get to be a husband. I get to be a son. I get to help my brother. All those things I could never do on my own will. Because I made this decision, I got a new employer. And he provided everything I needed and wanted. It's a fact. It's undeniable. It's one thing to believe in step two, make a decision in step three, through working the rest of the steps and having awareness and doing your part. You start to experience your higher power. And then it's an undeniable fact. No matter what life throws you, life on life's terms, when life happens, you stay the course and everything tends to work out for you. This is the third step prayer. Big time. We're now at step three. Many of us said to our makers, we understood them. God, I offer myself to thee to build with me and to do with me as thou wilt. Relieve me of the bondage of self that I may better do thy will. Take away my difficulties that victory over them may bear witness to those I would help of thy power, thy love, and thy way of life. I may do thy will always. Man, I've had the privilege of doing so many third steps with guys and we'd be on the the yard in front of everyone on our knees holding hands getting connected to this power that flows through us together, a power greater than ourselves. 
a spiritual experience every time. It's such a blessing to be a part of all the lives and play a small part in that. In the prayer is that, God, you got me. I offer myself to thee. Build me up. Do with me as thou will. You got me. I'm going to do my part. Flow through me. Give me the strength. I have faith. Take away my difficulties. That victory over them may bear witness to those I will help. Of thy love, thy power, and thy way of life, may it do thy will always. This victory, let everybody around me bear witness to your power, to your grace, to your strength. Watch a miracle happen in my life. Watch them see how powerful you are. And when they see that, I'll be visual proof of how powerful you are. And then I'll be able to help them of thy power, thy love, and thy way of life. Wow. That's the third step, man. And it's such a powerful step. So now we know how to apply it. We've identified in two, remember, and I know I've repeated this multiple times. It's just important so you understand what what your part is. The power comes from the application. This decision now gives you the courage to move into step four and vigorously attack it. So I hope that made sense to everybody. If you need to redouble your efforts, go back and read the third step prayer. Read it every morning. Understand how to apply it. Revisit step two. Identify and dial that in a little bit more and understand what your part will be. Because again, remember, it's a 50-50 relationship. I wish I could just lay on my bed and pray for this disease to go away. Recovery is like a muscle, man. If I want, I wish I could just lay on my bed and pray to be physically fit and have a six-pack and do all these things, but it does, doesn't work that way. It's just like recovery, just like working out. I got to get up and I got to go to the gym and I got to go every day, even when I don't want to. I still got to go. I got to hit sets. I got to hit reps. I got to take care of it. I got to continue to maintain it. I got to go on a day-to-day basis and recovery is the same way. I got to suit up. I got to show up even when I don't want to. I have to do these things. I have to get uncomfortable to grow. I have to be vulnerable. I have to ask for help. I have to keep my ego in check. There's so much that goes into it. But just like working out, the minute I stop, I lose it. So I encourage everyone, man, to get the third step prayer out. Read it. Take it in. Sincerely take such a position. Embrace this new employer, this father, this higher power. Because being all-powerful... He provides what we need if we keep close to him and perform his work well. Get out there, man, and perform that work.